The Utah Utes knock off the San Diego State Aztecs 35-7 to at Rice-Eccles Stadium, avenging last season's loss and improving their record to 2-1 and entering Pac-12 play. Speaking of Pac-12 play, Herm Edwards is out at Arizona State. How does that affect this Saturday's matchup? And what were the biggest things we learned from Utah's game versus the Aztecs? We're talking about it on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. My name is JT Wistersill, and thank you for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. On today's show, we are going to be diving into Utah's win over San Diego State, doing what we normally do after a game, talking about what my three biggest takeaways were, as well as giving away some game balls. But before we jump into what happened on Saturday, got to talk about what's coming up this upcoming Saturday with Herm Edwards officially being outed at Arizona State. They had an extremely disappointing loss to Eastern Michigan to drop to one and two and yeah i think this is something that felt like it was looming for a while look there's been a lot of allegations over there about recruiting stuff a large number of people on that coaching staff were dismissed just going into the offseason even so it's been a very tumultuous time for this arizona state program and it's not surprising to see it all fall apart what was surprising was just to see arizona state lose to eastern michigan and after that loss, it's not surprising to see them decide to make a change and get second in line on the coaching search after Scott Frost was, of course, already fired. So now we know that Arizona State wants to get their name as well in the eventual coach search and see what it'll bring from there. But as to how this pertains to Saturday's matchup for Utah, look, it just makes me feel even better about Utah. You got a new voice stepping in there, going to be the interim head coach. And this is, look, this roster is issues as a team were not relating to Herm Edwards. This is going to be a long haul fix. I don't think this really changes much of the game. In fact, if anything, it could make this team even quit even more on the potential season they have. And oh, look, I don't know what's going on inside Arizona State. Obviously, I'm not inside that locker room. But what I do know is what they put on the field on Saturday. And that's a 30 to 21 loss to Eastern Michigan. And in that one, they just couldn't stop the run. I mean, Samson Evans, Michigan, Eastern Michigan running back went for 258 yards and one touchdown. So if they're able to do that, just imagine what Tavion Thomas, Makai Bernard is going to do as well as Jalen Glover. And of course, one quick note as well, just so sad to see Chris Curry go down in that game. Just a guy who's worked so hard. Um, a part of that LSU national championship team come, came over to Utah, contributed a little bit last year, but had the third running back role secured in and looked like he was going to be in for a big season this year as the third running back, get a couple carries and possibly do what a guy like Makai Bernard did last year as the third running back, right? Maybe go for over 500 yards. That would that was to be determined, of course, but either way, he was set up for success. Sucks to see him go down with that season-ending injury, but nice that he has another year of eligibility so he can come back to this team and with guys like Tavion Thomas and Makai Bernard potentially going to the NFL, there's an opportunity for him to be the lead or the second back. And I, so I still feel like Chris Curry has a bright future with this Utah team. So sad to see him go down and wish him nothing but the best in speedy recovery. But as it returns, returns once again to this Arizona State game, I just, yeah, I obviously still really like the Utes. I don't see Herm Edwards firing really impacting this game in, in a positive manner. I think if anything, this is going to be a lot like what we saw Oklahoma and Nebraska this past weekend where Oklahoma, of course, Nebraska dismissing Scott Frost and got smashed by Oklahoma. I think that's what's going to happen. And 
this Utah Arizona State game on Saturday. We're going to talk about it all week. There's a lot of interesting matchups to break down in this one. We have our crossover episode, of course, with Locked On Sun Devils. But yeah, this ASU team is just not very good this season, and I expect this Utah team to be able to go in there and open Pac-12 play with a win. And in my opinion, it's got even easier because of the coaching dismissal and just even more of the uncertainty and drama now surrounding that Arizona State program just makes it tougher to go in and play a game. But as I mentioned, now we're going to jump back in and just focus on Utah's big win over San Diego State. Of course, the team lost there a year ago, and now San Diego State, the Aztecs, came into Rice-Eccles Stadium. And look, Utah take care, took care of business, 35 Two nothing got off to a slow start. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but first I would rather focus on the positives for this Utah team. And my first takeaway from this game was just the wide receivers coming to life. Finally, we had been clamoring for it all last week. It'd been the biggest story coming out of fall camp was this Utah team is finally in for an explosive offense because these wide receivers are going to be utilized. You got guys like Devon Bailey, who seemed like the breakout star of spring camp. Got a guy in Solomon Enos who's been in the program, kind of buying his time, waiting for his opportunity to get some more involvement in the passing game and just hadn't happened yet. Devon had been limited to just a couple catches in each game. Solomon Enos didn't even have a catch versus Southern Utah last week as well. So it was like, what are we going to get in for these guys? Is this going to be the game they finally break out? Or is this going to be another season where Utah's just going to be a run first team? The tight ends will be the mainstays in the passing game. And look, that still may, may very well be the case is the tight ends may be the feature guys in the passing game, but now you know you got some receivers who can get it done. And the receivers were really the people that got Utah out of their rough stretch offensively, right? So let's go back into it. It's third and five with around 10 minutes remaining in the second quarter. Utah needs a first down. And who makes a play? It's Solomon Enos breaking over, gets the first down catch. And that right after that, it sparks the offense because Utah decides to go up-tempo a little bit. The very next play, Cam hits Devon Vele for 20 yards as well. A nice little toe tap as well as he stayed inbounds. We're going to get to his toe tap touchdown, of course, in a little bit. But a nice play by Devon to stay inbound. Either way, another 20 yards. And then from there, you had the next two balls went to Brant Keithy. So touchdown after that. And look, that was a, a possession for Utah where this offense, it was Salmoninus, Devon, and Brant. So three of your top four pass catchers involved in the offense. And you went 75 yards through the air and you did it in just under two, just over two minutes. I believe it actually was what that drive ended up being. But the thing that took the most time on that drive was the a couple runs. You was the run Utah had at first. Then there was an incompletion. Then it was Salmoninus getting it done. And then Look, Utah continued to ride those guys. We saw Solomon Enos make a few other big catches. And we saw, of course, with about 20, it was, yeah, it was 20 seconds remaining in the first half, Cam dropped back and found a 15-yard touchdown pass to Devon. And another one, nice out route where he got both feet down in the corner of the end zone. So Devon scored his first touchdown of the season. So great to see him get in on that one. And then to get things good, keep that momentum going as well. You had Solomon Enos getting in. He got in on the third and 11. He had a 13 yard touchdown. And then in the second half, Tavion Thomas had scored. And then to really put this game out of reach, Utah added another one with Devon Vele once again finding on a nice crossing route. He did a good job going up top, showing up that elite athleticism and hauling in a ball. Um, that was the one to make it 21 to nothing for Utah as well. So this Utah offense, great to see that explosive element get going, see them go with that up-tempo attack a little bit, get their receivers involved, because we know Solomon Enos, Devon Bailey, these are guys who are capable of making plays downfield, and we were able to see that on Saturday in a live game, which was something that we had been clamoring for. Not in a spring ball, not to hear about it at practice, see it in a game, finally see what this team was talking about, see why there was so much hype and excitement around the receiver position, and we saw them. Because look, I just walked through some of the big catches, but 
it's not like these guys had a ton of catches on the night. Look, Devon Bailey only had three catches, and even Solomon Nina's only had three catches for 35 yards and 38 yards. But it's about when those catches happen in the moment, and they were huge critical plays each time one of those guys hauled in a ball, helping to move the chains or create an explosive play, really generate and bring this offense to life. Those are the kind of catches that are important and matter, not kind of just dump offs late in the game that maybe just help you get a single first down. Then you end up punting. Those were almost all those catches of the the six between those two guys led to points for this Utah team, which is something that's so important is when you're in tight situations, when you need to move the ball, when you need to make a play, you know, you can rely on those guys to get it done. So it was so great for those two to be able to show that and see that and just see that cam does have the chemistry and the connection with those guys. So fun to see those two come to life as well. And just while we're on the receivers, even I just want to throw in Jalen Dixon. I mean, Utah started out the game with the bubble screen to him went for the first down then get him involved in the reverse as well then end up going for 22 yards so i hope that's something that they continue to use in the offense is involving jalen dixon taking advantage of his athleticism money parks didn't end up with a catch in this one he's a guy that i would love to see going forward in the future catch a couple balls kind of be involved in this offense but look even coach whittingham said it post game that this is a team that look solomon enos and devon are going to be the two guys on the outside 90 percent of the time so Whatever money Parks and Jalen Dixon get, it's kind of just a luxury for this team because they're mainly going to roll with Devon Vela and Solomon Enos, who, look, I do think they have a chance to be one of the better receiving duos in the Pac-12. I think in terms of production, will they be there? Probably not. In terms of making big-time catches and big-time plays and big-time moments, to me, absolutely. So really impressed with the receivers. So great to see them demand the ball. That's what Coach Bumpus was talking about a few weeks ago, right? Demand the ball with your play. And that's exactly what those two did to me. They created separation. They went up top. They fought for the ball. They got it. They fought for yards after contact, racked up yards after the catch as well. So, so great seeing Devon Bailey and Solomon Enos break out. And it's a welcome sign for this Utah team as they're set to enter Pac-12 play with their receivers starting to find their stride at the right time. So going to talk about another takeaway I have from this game, that being Utah's dominating defensive performance. But first I want to talk to you guys about betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's game. So guys, obviously it's been so great having football back. We just got wrapped up week three of the college football slate. Week two of the NFL season is just about in the books after Monday night football, of course. And it's just so great to have football back, being able to sit on the couch, watch the games. And if you want to add a little bit of excitement to it, head over to bet online, put a little bit of money on it. Even if you don't, don't feel as comfortable betting on football, they got MLB, of course, with that season starting to wind down and really heat up MMA, boxing, golf. There's a ton of sports and a ton of things you guys can do with bet online so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions that's once again make sure you guys head over to bet online where the game starts and speaking of bet online as well want to give you guys a little bit of an update and an early edge on some of the betting lines this week by looking at look utah is favored by over arizona state by 15 and yeah i think utah is going to cover on that one even if the line moves up a little bit look i think this is going to be a 20 point utah win i just the position arizona state's program is in look at the position what utah's in the momentum they're riding versus the downward negative energy that arizona state is riding i like the Utes big in this one so even if that line increases i'm probably going to roll with utah because like i said just two programs heading in drastically different directions even right now so jumping off and back into this Utah game, this Utah win over San Diego State. I want to talk about this the performance we saw 
from the defense. I mean, just a dominating effort. So with a minute left to play in the third quarter, we had seen three different Aztec quarterbacks by then, and they had combined to throw for 12 yards. So Clark Phillips, those guys, they talk about the best secondary in the Pac-12, absolutely looked like it. And look, Braxton Burmeister and everyone else that they, the Aztecs threw out there, those are not very good college quarterbacks. But to hold anyone under 12 yards with your starting defense for that long is still absolutely incredible. And just when you talk about JT Broughton, Clark Phillips, who hopefully is okay after having to leave the game, and that was something that we talked with Coach Wade about post-game, and he said, hey, we don't talk about injuries right now unless we know what it's going to be. That's what made the one so disheartening to hear about for Chris Curry is that he knew right away that it was season-ending injury just right after the game. So one of the tough things for this Utah team, hopefully they're able to get Clark back really fast, even though, look, I still think Utah's can go in and beat Arizona State if Clark has to miss this game. But especially, I mean, even a month from now, we're just about, I believe we're less than a month away now, actually, from the big USC game. That's one you're obviously going to need Clark back because you got arguably the best receiver in the country in Jordan Addison coming to town. But either way, Utah's defense, the secondary was absolutely phenomenal. And for the most part, look, I know that San Diego State broke off a couple of big runs. But for the most part, Utah really shut down this team's rushing attack. And this is a team that wants to run the ball. Even Burmeister is more comfortable running than he is throwing. And they just weren't able to do that because there was nowhere to go. This Utah defense was absolutely suffocating pretty much the entire game. I mean, you look at the total yards, 173 they had on the game, San Diego State, 60 passing yards, 113 rushing yards. They only had nine first downs. And once again, most of those came late in the game. I mean, if you're looking at Let's go back and look at the first half stats. There were 43 total yards for San Diego State, 260 for Utah by comparison. In terms of rush yards, they only had 36 rushing yards, which honestly, over half of that coming on two carries, I can vividly remember for big gains. They had seven passing yards in the first half. Seven passing yards. Think about how pass-happy college football is. How everyone's trying to attack and do things on the outside. And look, I know Arizona held this team in check a little bit too, but you just you don't see that happen. Seven passing yards. That's how many points they ended up with in the game as well. So seven. So this team just really held them in check. And as I mentioned, some of the game, like the fourth quarter stuff, I don't put as much stock into that because most of Utah's ones didn't even play in the fourth. And even in, towards the end of the third, you saw, I think, just Utah take their foot off the gas a little bit because by then they were up 35 to nothing. So it's just hard to play with the same intensity and passion when it's a 35-point game, basically. So just so impressed by this Utah defense. Guys like Cole Bishop flying around. Just the defensive line did a great job, once again, winning those one-on-one matchups up front. It was something they didn't do versus Flora. Did a good job against Southern Utah winning those matchups. So another step up. How are you going to do against the San Diego State team that really likes to run the ball? And Utah did that. The very first play of the game, that was one where the Aztecs tried to run the ball, and you saw those defensive linemen, Junior Tafuna, doing a great job taking on blockers so that Kareni Reed was able to come down untouched and make a play in the hole. That's what I love to see from this Utah defense, guys flying around, making plays, and they were able to do that. Speaking of Kareni Reed, hey, how about that interception? We talked about it versus Southern Utah. He had that one dropped. He was so mad at himself, and this one he was able to get it, secure it, lock it in, and create a short field that the Utes were able to use to score. Even look at the pass rush. I mean, how many times was all the – San Diego State quarterbacks hit. Obviously, Braxton Burmeister was knocked out of the game, and he was knocked out of the game by by Utah as well. That was Sugaturaga getting in there, forcing the pressure that ended up knocking Burmeister out. Not dirty either, just hit him right as he threw it. And then you look at guys like Haskell came in for a little bit, Crum. All these guys struggled to get anything going. Crum ended the game 5 for 16 passing. And even Burmeister, before he left, he was 1 for 4 for 6 yards. So just shows you what a struggle it was. And as we mentioned, seven passing yards in the first half, just, just incredible by this team who 
look, Utah every couple, I think they gave up a couple first downs in the first half. Um, I think the official number actually for first downs in the first half, look, they gave up one. So they gave up one first down in the first half. That was off a big run outside of that. They forced Arizona, excuse me, San Diego State. I hope Utah is able to do the same thing against Arizona State as well. They forced for San Diego State to go 0-5 on third downs in the first half. Just an incredible effort. And I mean, even in the third qu- quarter as well, by then they were only they were only two for 10 on first down. So they only had basically just doubled up what they had in the first half even. So just an incredible performance by this Utah defense. A masterful game plan by Morgan Scally, I might add as well and just so fun to watch this defense get after it. and that's exactly what they did and i'm loving what i'm seeing out of this utah defense who look after that first florida game they got their butts chewed out because they know they didn't play well and since then they have looked outstanding and i've enjoyed watching every second of it so it was really fun to watch utah's defense it was really fun to watch the wide receivers in this offense become more explosive kind of get going much is what my third takeaway is it was the slow start on offense once again, we've seen it for a couple second week in a row. And honestly, even if you want to go back to the Florida game, look, Utah scored on their first possession, but that was off the short field provided by the fumble that RJ Hubert returned back. I believe he returned it past the 50 or just either way, great field position for Utah to start their drive on. And then you look after that, they, Utah wasn't really able to create any offensive momentum in the first quarter. They only had a few rushing yards against Florida and yeah, against Southern Utah started slow. And once again, there was another slow start versus San Diego State in the first quarter. At the end of the first quarter, Utah only had 89 yards in that one, 50 rushing yards, 39 passing yards, had a penalty. They were two of five on third downs, but yeah, they had to punt, couldn't score any points. And look, they doubled up the Aztecs in terms of plays, but just couldn't end up getting any points out of it. Drives would stall for one reason or another. And the biggest reason being, by the way, Utah shooting themselves in the foot. Talking about drops, Makai had a drop, Brant Keithy had a drop, um, miscues, whether it be on routes, guys not going in the right place, you're kind of like, what's going on there, as well as inaccurate throws by Cam Rising continued to pop up a couple of times throughout the game, penalties holding on the offensive line, false starts, a couple of things we saw, missed blocks in the running game, missed holes, even questionable play calling. Look, I am never going to be a fan of second and long runs. I just think when you look at, I know this Utah team is really good at running the ball, and that's their bread and butter, what they like to do, but just in terms of offensive success rate, when you are running the ball on second and eight plus, you're not setting yourself up for a good third down situation. I'd much rather try to get something where you make it a third and three or even closer than that, something more manageable, which you have a better chance of doing through the air after you've just had a negative run. So as I mentioned, I'm never going to be a fan of second and long runs, but something you have to deal with with this Utah team. So either way, all over the field, there were Utah players, almost everyone out on the offense who was just making a mistake or miss an opportunity to make a play that would have kept a drive alive. And simply put, it's something that they just got to clean up. They got to start faster, whether that's being more accurate on that throw, those throws. If you're cam creating that separation earlier, being able to run the ball right away. That was something I was surprised by, especially was look, we've seen the passing games get off to slow starts weeks now, but I was surprised just to see the youth struggle to run the ball a little bit and have issues on first down where it's first and only not it's second and nine and not, second and five because we're used to that Utah team and Tavion Thomas being able to chug forward and get some of those tough yards and be able to hit some of those holes and find a way to create some points and opportunities as well or just get some yards going so just disappointing to see this Utah team once again have a slow start and it's something 
they got to clean up against Arizona State and they got to just continue to get better on and build on and build on and build on because the mistakes they made against San Diego State in this game and the opportunities they missed on, if you do that against better teams, i.e. USC, maybe even a UCLA and possibly against an Oregon, hey, they look pretty good this week. And obviously, I think there's a lot of Utah fans who are very happy with what Oregon just did. But that's another one going up to Eugene, where if you have a slow start like that, you could fall behind by 14 points. And that's extremely difficult to overcome. And it's something we haven't seen this offense be able to do, at least this year, is overcome a steep deficit. Look, we saw them nearly come back from one against Florida. That was a deficit. But did they do it? No, they came up short. So you don't want to shoot yourselves in the foot and put yourself in that negative position. And I just want to see this offense get off to a hotter start. And I think that just comes from focus, execution, and be able to handle and make adjustments quicker. That's one thing as well. I think one of the reasons Utah really struggled to run the ball in the first quarter, and Coach uh, Cam Rising and Coach Whittingham both mentioned this, was there was lots of movement along the defensive line. We talked about it watching film uh, last week on San Diego State. This is a defense that likes to use a lot of different fronts um, and use a lot of different defensive linemen. But they're also a defense that likes to shift right before the snap. And just like imagine you're about to do something and let's say you're running a race, right? And you know what the path is going to be. And maybe you've planned out for how you want to take your water break. Let's say it's a marathon. Let's say it's a marathon, right? So you planned out your path. You know where your water break's going to be. But then all of a sudden, the, the path changes on you just like right before the race. Well, it's like, well, wait, I got to think about now where I want to try to take my water break, how I want to try to do all that. And that's something that basically happens right before the snap is when the defensive line shifts offensive linemen in those split seconds have to think about, okay, how does my job change? What do I need to do? Where's my assignment at now? If the D tackles lined up in over, over the guard, does that change things? And if he's not over the a gap, all those things matter. And you have to do that in a split second. That's something I think the offensive line has to do a better job of going forward. So just something that was nice for this Utah team to learn and see is, Hey, how are we going to be able to deal with movement going forward? And look, like I said, I think it's something they struggled to deal with in this game was some of that movement and the creative stuff that San Diego state did. They struggled with it early on. I should say, because then Utah adjusted and they were obviously fine, but these slow starts have to stop starts up front with the offensive line, getting on the same page. Then look at guys like cam rising have to deliver accurate throws. When guys break open, guys have to get open more frequently and running backs have to hit holes when they're there and break a couple tackles as well. All things that guys need to clean up to be able to make sure this Utah team gets off to a faster start. So going in to our last thing I want to talk about game balls. We've done it every week now and got a few to give away and let's start out with those offensive guys look i already mentioned the receivers and yeah they're going to get the first game ball i'm looking at devon Vele, three catches 38 yards two touchdowns as well so and i mean it was only targeted one other time so four targets three catches that's a very good rate saw devon demand the demand the ball more show off the athleticism with the toe tap going up top for the second touchdown as well great performance by devon he gets a game ball as does solomon enos three catches for 35 yards the first catch of the game that sparked this utah offense as i talked about was solomon enos so got to give him a game ball as well great to see him find the end zone too solomon's just the kind of guy that you love being teammates with right because you know he is he doesn't care how many balls he catches he just wants to win but you love seeing a guy who wants you to succeed you love seeing one of those guys succeed that's the kind of teammate you really love and care about and you can tell it's how this utah team feels about solomon Enos is they really love what he brings to this team and they love seeing him succeed because they know how much that solomon loves seeing those guys succeed so always fun to see him get in on some of the action i also want to give a shout out to makai bernard he's someone i haven't mentioned yet in this game i thought he was crucial five carries for 44 yards it's average of eight yards a carry by far the longest also was involved in the passing game once again two catches for 33 yards so 
Makai just continues to be phenomenal out of the backfield. Cam targets him a ton because even when he's matched up on other guys on the outside, linebackers, safeties at times, corners, Makai's shifty enough where Cam knows he can get get open. So he's going to continue to look his direction and see if he can make plays. And I would trust Makai to make plays as well because he's a phenomenal athlete out there. And look, I spoke with Makai this week at Utah Media Availability, and he said that he was disappointed he didn't find the end zone versus Southern Utah. So I got to imagine he's disappointed that once again, he didn't find it versus San Diego state. He was thrilled about finding it versus Florida. But also I want to say this: like Makai is very much a team first guy. He wants to win at the end of the day, but of course, who doesn't want to win and get in the end zone, right? That was what Makai was saying. So I got to imagine he is hungry to get back in the end zone again, coming up against Arizona state, but got to give that shout out to Makai as well. As I, like I said, he gets a game ball, a phenomenal performance from him too. Then going over to the defense, how about Cole Bishop? Nine total tackles officially, five solo tackles, half a tackle for loss as well, had a pass breakup. He was all over the field. Cole is phenomenal in the back. Your stereotypical strong safety coming in, flying around, making plays, and he's a true sophomore as well. You don't see true sophomores that special usually and just an outstanding, surefire, hard-hitting safety. Love seeing what he brings. Also, game ball to both of the Reed brothers. How about Gabe Reed? Had seven tackles in this one, five solo, one tackle for loss. Had a cute quarterback hurry as well. Just great to see Gabe have his best game as a Ute so far, applying some pressure in the backfield and doing a really good job against the run too. And already talked about Karene. Had the interception, had a tackle for loss, as well as came in for half a sack. And four tackles, one of them was the very first tackle, set the tone for the day. But Karene has been the best inside linebacker for Utah in the season so far and thought he continued to shine in this one. And last game ball has got to go to Van Fillinger. Got a, a sack and a half in this one, His by far his most on the season. I believe the first time he's even had a half a sack in a game. So great to see this pass rush start to get going for the Utes and see Van creating some plays in the backfield. As he's a guy I really expect to come alive in Pac-12 play, him and Junior Tafuna, who Junior got a quarter, couple quarterback hits in as well. He's just a guy who, man, when he gets in there, you just want to get out of the way because you know he's just hitting at full speed and you know it's going to hurt too. So props to the defense, the off offensive guys I highlighted as well. Just a great performance by the Utes once again after starting slow. But either way, a 35-7 to win for the Utes. So that's it for non-conference play. 2-1, and one, the record, and Utah set to enter Pac-12 play. And how am I feeling about this team? Pretty good. Do I wish we won against Florida? Of course. But outside of that, you did what you're supposed to do. You absolutely obliterated the teams that you were supposed to beat. But good teams, what else are you supposed to do if you're a good team against bad teams? Blow them out. And that's exactly what this Utah team did. There's some band-aids, some things that concern me. Just talked about the offense's slow start. I want to see Cam be a little more accurate going forward. want to see the receivers create more separation. I want to see the defensive line get it done against another elite offensive line, something that, look, they're not going to face for a little bit, but still something I want to see going forward and then for them to start faster as well because even Arizona State has better defensive linemen than the Aztecs do. So things to clean up on going forward, but I'm feeling good about this team. I think they're farther along at this point than they were last year, of course, as Last year, I mean, the expectations for this team were one and two. Like, are they even going to become bowl eligible? And then, hey, they went on to win the Pac-12 off a incredible run led by Cam Rising. And I have all the faith in the world in Cam, Coach Whittingham, Morgan Scally, guys like Clark Phillips, who's hopefully back very soon. All those guys to help this lead this team and for them to once again go on a great run that helps land them in the Pac-12 championship game. And in the Rose Bowl, and maybe even beyond, it's going to take them running the table, which is something that hasn't been done since Utah and Colorado entered the Pac-12. But if any team can do it, I really do think it's this Utah team because of the special talent they have. And just look, after what they pulled off last year, I'm not saying anything is impossible 
for the Utah Utes. So thank you guys, as always, for tuning into this show. Make sure if you guys are in the market for a second listen, you go check on the Locked on Pac-12 podcast where host Spencer McLaughlin will have you covered. If you guys are curious about what happened with Herm Edwards, why he was fired, Spencer's going to have that covered as well as recapping all the game's action this weekend. How about the Huskies getting a huge win over a Big Ten opponent the second week in a row where the Pac-12 has knocked off a Big Ten opponent and, and a good one is that, I might add, second week in a row where a Pac-12 team has knocked off a ranked Big Ten opponent, which is something I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to say this college football season. So credit there and make sure you check out Locked On Pac-12 for all the breakdown on the Conference of Champions. Guys, rest of the week, we'll have tons of reactions on the different quotes and things we hear from practice as well as just game preview stuff, getting ready for Pac-12 play to get underway. So thank you guys as always for tuning into Locked On Utes. Make sure you guys subscribe to YouTube as well. Appreciate all of you guys who have done so and all of you who are going to do so. I'm JT Wistersill. Have a great Monday.